Hey, everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. If 15 minutes of Parsha a week is not enough for you, if you're jonesing for more Parsha, then you, you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one-hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free, and we'd love to have you. started. Uh, nice to see you all. Um, we're heading into the summer months here and uh, the group sort of shifts and people are going in different places. So, and we'll probably take a couple weeks off at some point, but we, we mostly try to plow through because after all, the uh, it's the Parsha. That's the idea, right? It's like it's every week. So, um, so it's a practice. It's really, I mean, I, above all, I believe that this Kind of study that we do is a is a is a spiritual practice. We're in the, we're in the story every week, every week, every week, and every week has a certain quality to it, and um, and we're all in the same conversation, and that's that's what we're trying to do in this space as well. So, um, just a word about today's conversation. Um, we're going to be looking today at the legend of Miriam's well which is probably, you know, that's a familiar enough phrase, Jewish organizations, sometimes Jewish feminist collectives or movements have taken that image on, taken Miriam on broadly, but Miriam's well becomes a, there, there becomes a, 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 a recognizable phrase in the Jewish community. Um, and so today I wanna kind of get to the bottom of wh where does that, where does that idea, where does that image come from? Where was Miriam's well? And uh, we're going to be able to locate it uh, in some ways very precisely, and in some ways, the ultimate the ultimate answer is that nobody knows where it comes from, where it is. Um, sometimes what we do in this class is we we kind of we look at the text, just the text, and we try to we try to make connections. And then, and then from those connections, we we see we come to we come to see the way the text is is communicating some some message. But today we're we're going to be looking at midra, at uh, the midrashic tradition, and our work when we look in into the the legends of the of the midrash, our work is to see first and foremost what connections are the rabbis. This, our sages, what connections are they making? Because they're not just telling stories, they're telling stories based on the same kind of work that we do in this class. We're trying to see connections in the text. And then when they see enough connections in the text, they begin to return to those connections and, and concretize them and give them name and image and meaning and, um, and the the, the name that the rabbis have given to a series of associations in the text is Miriam's well, right? Because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mysterious thing, Miriam's well. It's, um, as we'll soon see, a kind of, it's not just a legend, it's a legend of the supernatural. And so, uh, and, and so it, it appears like just rabbinic, good old fashioned rabbinic storytelling 
but it isn't exactly that. There's, there's, there's some, something that we're learning about the text, just like we learn the text. So the rabbis learned the text and they're pointing us to a series of connections within the text. So we're gonna see if we can, we can unearth those and unearth is, a, is the right verb because we're gonna see if we can unearth Miriam's well. Uh, that, that song at the outset, uh, also dedicated to Miriam is Debbie Friedman's. Um, and and uh, I have to credit Rabbi uh, Lizzie uh, Heidemann for, for making me <laughs> appreciate that song. She gave a, a rousing rendition once and I, 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 then I understood the joy of Debbie Friedman. So um, let's say a blessing and we'll get started. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kidshanu b'mitzvotav tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Okay. All right, here we go. Where's Miriam's well? Where, where does Miriam's well come from? Well, I can tell you exactly. I can tell you exactly where it is because what we're going to start with is just a basic move. We're just going to start with a basic interpretive move that, that the rabbis use to, um, to suggest that um, there, there was a well and it had something to do with Miriam. I say all of this because if I haven't said it explicitly, there's nowhere in the Torah or in the in the in the the, the Bible altogether where you, the phrase Miriam's well appears. And in fact, we don't ever see Miriam particularly near or associated with a well. So that's like just to make the question explicit, but there is a very specific place where we find Miriam's well. Have I given you the source sheet for today? I have not. Here it is. Okay, let's go in. We're diving in to chapter 20 of the book of Numbers. And what's significant about chapter 20 of the book of Numbers is that it is a kind of a, a immediate, almost jerking fast forward through the 40 years of the desert to the end, to the end. Um, as the Ibn Ezra um, says very, uh, very famously and succinctly, um, there was there, there was no prophecy um, um, even going on during all those years in the desert, except in the first year and the fortieth year. Right. In other words, his way of saying it seems like we get a lot of stuff happening that very first year. It's like they leave and Mount Sinai and the spies and Korach's rebellion and all of this stuff, and then all of a sudden we're at the end of the journey, and. Um, we know we're at the end of the journey because now the final things are happening. We're doing, we're, we're waging the final battles and um, the, and, and, and here's what's significant. The, the leaders of the generation are beginning to die. And um, Miriam is the first to go. Um, uh, Aaron comes later in, in this week's Parsha and, and Moshe, of course, is the end of the Torah. So here's where Miriam dies. And it's something about the placement of her death that tells us where uh, Miriam's well is, that tells us that Miriam's well is. Okay, so um, here we go. The legend of Miriam's well and the women dancing with it. Okay, um, the ch okay, here we go. So this chapter 20 is, um, it seems to be like the signal that they're coming to the end of their journey. And that's the, it's the first new moon, the first month, and that's where the Ibn Ezra tells us, first month of the 40th year. Okay. And the people stayed at Kadesh, that's where they, they, they camped there for a sec. And, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And then the next line is, and the congregation had no water and they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Okay, that's the sequence of the two verses. And then what, what goes on to happen after that? This is the, of the, the, probably the most famous episode um, in Parshat Chukat is the episode of the people quarreling for water and God says, you and your brother Aaron, take the rod and assemble the community and before their very eyes, order the rock to yield its water. Thus you shall provide water for them from the rock and provide drink for the congregation and their beasts. And what is that story? 
That's the story of Moses instead striking the rock and then Moses and Aaron, because of that, being um, uh, punished with not being allowed to enter the land of Israel. Moses and Aaron being punished with that because Moses and Aaron are leading the community because Miriam has just died. And the thing that happened right after Miriam died was that there was an outbreak, a need for water. Okay, but what, <laughs> where, so where's Miriam's well? Where is Miriam's well? Okay, and I think a lot of you are seeing, and this is just as a matter of identifying, like where our, where our legend begins, Miriam's well is, well, technically it's right there in the middle of verse one and verse two, okay? In other words, it's in the juxtaposition of Miriam's death and the, uh, the congregation suddenly having no water. So it's right, so right there, the, the, that's the first motivation to say there's something about Miriam's death that created a need for water, okay? There's something about Miriam's death that created a need for water because Miriam died and immediately the people needed water. And I should say, I mean, that, that so far may sound to you like kind of a loose interpretive move, but juxtaposition is certainly one of the, the literary techniques the rabbis believe they are empowered to use, right? The, 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 the juxtaposition of one verse and another tells you something, especially when they seem unrelated. There's no, nothing accidental in the placement of the Torah. So, so those things are related. And I should say, I would add to that, that there's something, um, it's also true that there's something underwhelming about the description of Miriam's death, right? It's, it's half a verse. The children of Israel, the whole congregation came into the same desert on the first new moon and the people stayed at Kadesh. Oh, and Miriam died there and she was buried there. And moving on, right? Moving on to, to the rest of the story. That's not, a, that's not a sufficient treatment for Miriam's death, right? That doesn't make sense that that's just, that'd be the end of it. And there's all kinds of rabbinic commentary um, that say, oh, Miriam's death was more of a big deal. That Rashi says that Miriam died by the divine kiss, al pi Hashem. But the Torah doesn't mention it because the, that's an image that scandalized Rashi as God kissing Moses, uh, Miriam on the lips. Right? It's okay for God to kiss Moses, like male, male, male kissing. That is a legitimate uh, um, image, you know, we could, the Torah can present, but male, female kissing, that's like a little indecent, you know how it is. But anyway, um, uh, so, so because of this, um, this juxtaposition, we, uh, that's where the, the legend comes from. And where do we find that legend? Where do we first find that legend? We first find it, of course, of course, of course, in our, in the, in the very clipped writings um, of our resident genius, Rashi. Rashi. Rashi on numbers in the congregation had no water. And Rashi tells us, that's how he tells us things. Like, look at these words. These words suddenly appear. Why are they here? From here we learn that the, during the entire 40 years, they had the well through Miriam's merit. Through Miriam's merit. Okay. So that's the appearance of the well, and just look at the phrasing there. It's what is it? What it, we, we talk about Miriam's well, but the well is the well that they had through Miriam's merit. Okay. Now, what I want to do now is just take a look at a, a, a few legends, a few versions of this legend. Okay, a few versions of this legend, and. I'm going to, because uh, we are going to try to see most of the, the classic legend of Miriam's well, I'm going to teach a little differently in that I'm just going to like click us through the major points of the legend. And then I'll stop along the way to see how we respond to it. Because after all, we're right now we're intaking a rabbinic construction. So I, we can respond to it, but we're going to try to try to see it in its completeness. So I'm going to give you a couple of versions of the legend, then we'll pause, and then give you another version of the legend, and we'll pause again, and we'll try to deepen our, by the end, we'll try to like deepen our understanding of, of this story, um, and, then, and, then, and then finally we'll see where it goes. So 
Um, here we're going to look at just a couple of versions of this legend um, in, 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 in following after Rashi's, uh, Rashi's sort of technical insertion um, into, the, into the flow of the text that Miriam's well, we should think of Miriam's well as appearing right here, right there. That's Miriam's like, let's, 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 uh, let's make a, let's make a little cursor here. And if we made a little cursor here, we'd say there's Miriam's well right there. Okay. Okay. So Rashi says from here, we learned that during the entire 40 years, they had the well through Miriam's merit and Rashi, I say, uh, is our resident genius. His particular genius is in taking the essential piece of information from a rabbinic uh, teaching from the Talmud or the Midrash and just taking out the part you need to explain the flow of the text. So this is the connection that the rabbis are making between the flow of the text, but they embed it within a larger legend. And the legend is in Tractate Tanit of the Talmud. And the legend is that three good sustainers, Parnasim Tovim, oh, what just happened there? Three good, three good sustainers, um, stood up for his, rose up for the Jewish people. And they were Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And three good gifts were given through them. And they are the well, the cloud, and the mana. Okay, so Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, they were the, the great leaders, the great providers. And three great gifts, but miraculous gifts were given through Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. The, um, the well that we've just been talking about, the cloud, the pillar of cloud, and the mana. Now, the pillar of cloud and the mana we know about. We read about that in the Torah. So this legend is adding the well to it. And the well, they say, in the merit of Miriam, the pillar of cloud in the merit of Aaron, and the mana in the merit of Moses. And then, and then, and then this is the part that Rashi is picking up on, is the connection um, that they have for Miriam, which is that Miriam died there, and then there was no water there. And then I just want you to read the end of the legend is, but the well then returned in the merit of both Moses and Aaron. That's part of the legend. The well went away when Moses died and then Moses and Aaron were able to summon it back. And then the, the legend goes on to say, and um, then when Aaron died, the cloud left, but Moses was able to get that back. And then when Moses died, everything was gone. Everything was gone. And that's obviously a way of saying, wow, the great ones of this generation, the lights of this generation are gone and with them a certain kind of luminosity, a certain kind of wonder, a certain kind of transcendence that we are associating with these, um, with the, with the, they allowed for the, there to be miracles, right? Miraculous uh, agents, but the, the well, the cloud and the, and the um, mana and the mana. Okay, so that's one, that's one version of the legend, the legend that picks up on, on exactly that reading that, we, that Rashi just gave us, the legend of Miriam's well is that it was one of the three things that provided for the people and they, they all started to leave as the leaders of the generation left. The other kind of famous Midrash that I just want to show you before I begin to open the conversation up, the famous Midrash you may have heard of or know about is in um, Pirkei Avot. Pirkei Avot, chapter five of Pirkei Avot, where the well is described as one of the 10 things, beautiful Midrash, one of the 10 things that were created in the very last hours of creation. Like, because God created the world, created the world with all these naturalistic things, and then created us on the sixth day, we're pretty wondrous. And then just as the sixth day was waning, the last few things, the last 10 things that God created were just like, God just wanted to show like, ah, I could do unicorn, but it's not a unicorn, but close to it. So, um, uh, so this is the list of 10 things. And one of them might be Miriam's well, okay? So here's the list of 10 things. And you know, I debated whether to, how much to analyze this and bring commentaries on this, but I'm already kind of overloaded today so, um, but, I, but, but this is, I want you to see the classics, and this is one of the classic sources. 10 things were created on the eve of, of the Sabbath at twilight. The mouth of the earth, the mouth of the earth is a reference to Korach's um, band uh, disappearing into the, into the mouth of the earth. We just read about that last week. But there the, it said, piha, the earth opened its mouth. So that miracle was created 
on the, in the last hours of creation. And then the mouth of the well. And then the mouth of the donkey. That'll be uh, next week in uh, Parshat Balak, right? the, where the donkey talks. That's miraculous. Now, there are other, these are all miracles, miraculous things, but there are other miracles um, that don't get mentioned here, like the 10 plagues or more the talking snake. But this seems to be like the miracles that would accompany them later in the journey, along the way. The, the, the bursting up of miracles, even when things seem to have gotten pretty mundane or, or terrestrial. Okay, the rainbow, which is interesting because that's like almost, that's like, oh, well, we actually see rainbows. So that's a miracle in our world. The mana, that's one of the ones, right, uh, that we, in the legend above. The staff, or the rod, the shamir, this is a magic worm that created uh, Solomon's temple. That's a whole legend unto itself, so we'll, we'll leave that aside for now. The letters and the writings, the Torah itself, in other words, and the tablets. Like the last three are the Torah. The Torah was created in the last, in the last thing, in the last, or at least the vessels upon which the Torah um, comes into the world because in another legend, the Torah is the thing that the world is created from. But anyway, now I'm getting, I'm getting lost in legend, right? But I have to, I, like, I, there's no coming on this text without reading the last line, which is one of my favorite lines in all of rabbinic literature. So those, that's the 10, but some say also the demons, some say there are demons in the world and they were created. That's a kind of a not, not normative, but they, they recorded anyway. The grave of Moses was created. The ram of Abraham, the one that Abraham found uh, to replace Isaac with. And then some say the last one of Afzbat Bitzvat Asuya. And also the tongs uh, made with tongs, meaning also the first pair of tongs. And this, I just love this idea because like tongs are something that you make in a, in a smithy, in a blacksmith's shop, right? But you need tongs to hold them over the fire. So how do you make the first tongs? Those tongs had to be made by God, obviously. I love that. How great is that? How great is that? But anyway, those are the two legends of Miriam's well. And as you saw in the second one, it's not clear, was it Miriam's well? And the commentators debate this. Um, but that the fact that it's in the Mishnah that the mouth of the well was one of the miracles of creation, that in itself is a text that's informing the Talmudic interpretation, right? So we've got, a, we've got some mouth of a well that is one of the great miracles of the world. And we've got um, this idea that there were miraculous things that accompanied the Israelites along their journey. And somehow each one of those three siblings is named with one of the miraculous things. Okay, let me now stop here. And I'd just like to hear then how you're, you're responding to the insertion of Miriam's well into our narrative, the idea that along with the mana, which we is, has a story in his name, and along with the pillar of cloud, which we hear about, we also get this, this well, which we don't understand yet. Like where, which well, where was it? Did, it? did it also travel with them as it sort of seems like they're saying? Okay, let's start with Leah Matsui. Miriam is the great water girl woman. She starts by guarding the baby Moses as he's abandoned in his basket in the Nile, and she is the sustainer of the, the sustainer because she arranges Yochabed to be Moses's mother. So there's water and breast milk. Then after the parting of the Sea of Reeds, right at the shore of the water, she leads us in dance. So for me, it makes real sense that when she's gone, the water would be gone because she has been, she has been associated with nourishment and bringing us water up until now. Okay, Can't, beautiful and, 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 and incisive interpretation there. Um, by Leah Matsui and can't hide anything from this group, right? Can't, can't hide the ball from this group because that's exactly right. There's uh, immediately, Leah is picking up on some of the other textual associations. You see, I've like numbered these texts and then this is like the ninth, the ninth one, right? Like 
I was like hiding this a little bit, but you can't really hide it because you know where we know where Miriam comes from. Miriam is in the beginning of Exodus, the sister of Moses who went and guarded Moses as Moses was cast down the Nile. And then was as she was spying and Pharaoh's daughter, right? Look at this, this collective of women that are all right, so prominently conspiring in the beginning of Exodus to preserve life, Moses' mother, Moses' sister, Pharaoh's daughter. And then his sister says to Pharaoh's daughter, oh, should I go to get a Hebrew nurse to suckle the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said, yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me and I'll pay your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. So Miriam not only... Uh, like watched over Moses's salvation, but formulated a plan where Moses could be raised with his own mother and get and got paid for it. Right, it's like quite a in the midst of a of a regime where where babies are supposed to be. This is like all the genius of this plan is like, but it's salvation itself. And I I read through this story slowly uh, that 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 Leah connected us to because. It's also true that when the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter who na- made him her son. And she named him Moses, explaining because I drew him out of the water. Drew him out of the water. Right? So, so, Leah says, Miriam has, and Miriam and other, other women with her, right, in the biblical landscape, especially in those early chapters of, of Exodus, women are very much at the forefront. And um, Miriam's been someone who has by water created salvation by drawing something up out of water, by drawing Moses, her own brother, up out of water, by saving Moses's life so that Moses could save our lives, right? So there, oh, wow. Now we've got an image of Miriam the 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 water the waterly provider of life okay that's that's good that's really good um and um leah started to remind us of other places where miriam is prominent near the the water but i want to just i want to go there next because that's where some of the like the most interesting textual work happens and now i want to take us into a midrash that is it's like um this is in midrash rabbah um, Bamidbar Rabbah, um, the classic collection of Midrash. So we're going to see things we've seen before. It often collects various other texts. Um, but we're, what we're going to get here, which is cool, is finally a description of how this well worked. Um, but we also get some of those connections that um, that Leah and Noah and Alexandra were making. So let's let's make those connections, and then we'll take another step back and think about, okay, once we see all of this going on in the Torah, what what more do we have to ask about wells and um, and magic and Miriam? All right, so let's let's take a look here. Okay, so this is let's see. I'm gonna scroll back here. You you were always seeing some of these texts because you were you were you were in, you were making the connections before we we had seen them inside, which is great. But let's look at one more legend. One more legend um, that is recorded in Bamidbar Rabbah right at the early part, and the early part is the is the original part. It's the it's the juicy part. The well is in Miriam's merit because she sang a song at the water, as it says. And Miriam chanted for them, "Sing to the Eternal." And at the, at the water of the well, it says, "And then Israel sang this song." Okay, now that's the connection. Where it's not we haven't read that yet. We're going to read that, but that's the connection um, that. That, that some some of us were already making. And, and Alexander used the word chant and Miriam chanted for them, sing to the eternal. So why did Miriam deserve or merit or what was so great about Miriam that she got a, a well that traveled that was like kind of, you know, named after her in her merit? It's that it's what she did at the Song of the Sea when she saw water, when she saw water, okay. We're going to analyze that further in just one second, um, because it's these connections that I think are so, so brilliant and so interesting. But but hold on. Um, 
This we know, this piece, the well was in Miriam's merit because Miriam died there and then the congregation had no water. So that's, that's the same connection that the Talmud records, so the, the Midrash records. And then a new piece of information. And how was the well made? There was a boulder shaped like a sieve, a sieve, like, you know, like a strainer. In fact, I think I put one up here so that we could just, uh, a sieve, <laughs> a boulder shaped like a sieve. And it would roll along with them on their journeys. Now, how cool is that, folks? That's the price of admission right there. That's cool. There's a boulder shaped like a sieve and it would roll along with them on their journeys. And when the tribes would camp with the Mishkan at rest, the tabernacle in the middle, the boulder would come and plant itself in the courtyard of the tent of meeting. And the chiefs would come and stand beside, beside it and say, arise, oh well, and it would arise. Come on, that's so cool. That's so cool, right? It rolled along with them. And it's like, I'm thinking of like Game of Thrones, you know, it's like, there's like a wolf that travels with them. There's like, you know, like a cloud that travels with them. And then the, the well's just rolling along and it would go to its place and, and then summon the well and it comes up. It's so cool. So cool. Okay. It's so cool, but there's a lot of interesting textual stuff going on here. And I want to make those connections for us before I open it up again. I see some hand, hands already, but I want to make those connections for us because that first connection was really interesting. Miriam was at the Song of the Sea, and she sang a song there just, but that's not the main song there. The main song there was Moses. So let's just remind ourselves of the songs, plural, at the sea, and what they have to do with this week's Parsha, with this, this, this moment where we're discovering Miriam's well. So here we go. Um, okay. So now, in this week's Parsha, let's just start with the, the, the text that triggers this in 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 the in in our reading is is later on okay this if we were just looking at chapter 20 chapter 21 suddenly records a song and there are only a few songs recorded in the torah so that's interesting there's moses miriam's and this one and from there from the place that they were remember they're in the Tzin desert and they're going to kadesh from there they went to bear um, which is the which is bear is is the well bear means well bear that means well so bear is a place but bear is also named for the well where the eternal said to Moses assemble the people that I may give them water okay now that well, that sounds familiar assemble the people may that I may give them water where do we see that we saw that right we saw that above that was like the that was the opening story is you and your brother take the rod and assemble the community and uh, I will give them water from a rock, by the way, from a rock, which is partially why the Midrash says, oh, it was a boulder, it was a boulder. It was, a, that's, what, that's what it means that Moses and Aaron rediscovered the well. They, they reopened it with their staff. Right? That's what happened. The well, it's bigger now. The legend is bigger now. It's not just in that moment. Oh, and the people started complaining water. Actually, everything thereafter is about reopening the well. That's cool, right? That's cool. But even cooler, I think, is the connections that they're making linguistically between this moment of singing and that moment of singing back at the Song of the Sea. Let's just take a look at that as well. Okay, so um, they went to Bear and they, uh, um, they, they assembled the people and then Israel sang this song. Suddenly Israel sings a song, Az Yashir Yisrael, et Ashir Azot. And they sang, arise up, O well. Oh, there's that imagery of well, come up, come up, come up from the ground. Chant to it, Enula, chant to it, speak to the well, right? say these things and that language of chant that language of chant that's the language that miriam used when miriam also sang a song at the sea because as yashir this phrase and then israel sang that should remind us immediately of then moses and the children of israel sang that's the same phrasing as yashir famous phrasing back in the book of exodus 
right? But now it's just Israel singing without Moses. And they sang this song. So it wasn't Moses. And after the Song of the Sea, we've studied this before in this class, at the end, then Miriam the and the women dance. <laughs> there we are. And the Miriam the prophet and Arian sister picked up a hand drum and uh, all the women went out after her dancing with drums. And Miriam chanted for them. So Miriam was a part of this national singing in some way. And her version of it was to chant. And then later when they sing a song that, that evokes that same moment of, yes, we found some miracle at water, even though it's a very different miracle. The miracle of being sustained and the miracle of the waters parting, very different miracle. But there's the same language of singing and the same language of chanting. And, and ta-da, you get this legend constructed. And part of what I just want to show, what I want to, you know, ta-da there is just how careful, how thoughtful the Midrash is as it, as it, as it, it chooses its plot points, right? The Midrash is like, oh, so it, was, it was a boulder because then they tapped a boulder and the boulder must have been, there, but they were supposed to call to the boulder. And I'm not saying every piece of it makes sense because after all, it's not, it's not so clear. They went to a place called Bear where the bear, where the well was and then they sang this song and then they, what, what, where well was it? It doesn't say it was Miriam's well. It doesn't say it's connected. It's been with them all along, but this is how the legend gets constructed. Okay. This is how the legend gets constructed. All right, so let's let's turn now once again to the to the group and and uh, and see how now that we have a little more texture here. Now we can see that the Torah itself is saying, remember that old song, remember the old miracles, remember the old leaders of the miracles, remember how 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 they often happened by bodies of water, going all the way back to before Moses was born. Before Moses was born, Moses, Moses doesn't sing this song with them. They sing it. Miriam taught them to sing. Okay. I, I, okay. I admit that that last line is like, I'm, I'm adding that on. But you can see how the pieces are beginning to fall into place. Okay. Julia. Yeah. So something, I'm, I'm really struck by the, the quote from Pirkei about, about the well being created on um, the, the eve of the, the first Shabbat because, um, and this is taking us back to, I think, one of our classes in December about Yocheved being the woman born between the walls and this idea that um, the bear Maim Chaim said, which feels like a, a fitting commentator for this, but that um, he said that the, she was born between the walls uh, of the city um, because God created the hope before creating the affliction. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I see... Miriam as being Yocheved's daughter as this sense of like this hope um, of water. And I think in so many ways in Torah, water represents hope of life, of, um, of something better, of something getting better, of there being opportunity. Um, and uh, just that it was created before it was even needed. And Miriam was there before they even needed her. Mm. And now, and then she dies and they're at a loss. Beautifully, beautifully put, Julia. Beautifully put. That's a, a, you're, you're doing now some of that, that work for us. Really starting to think about, about how the well functions. What's the meaning of the well as a source of sustenance? And I think if I understand you, part of what you're saying is its placement in the list of things that were created before the, even the world, like just seeded in at the, 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 the miraculous things that come up along the way actually were implanted, embedded within creation, which give you this sense that when you find a well in the desert, it's as if like that well was waiting for you. Thank God, what a miracle. And it's as important a miracle as the splitting of the Red Sea. This idea that those, those moments where it seems that all is lost and suddenly, you know, the donkey opens its mouth, the earth opens its mouth, the well opens its mouth, and suddenly something strange happened, but we are saved, but we are saved. And Miriam 
also, I you just said this, so like in passing at the end, but it's just such a beautiful connection also, is that Miriam is also one of those things because she exists before Moses exists. That's powerful. Moses is a new creation, right? We, we associate Moses with like a new life, a new creation. What is it, the Star Trek language? A new hope. Right, but the, the woman saw the, the Moses that he, and saw that he was good, like God seeing the first light of creation. But Miriam is, in, is already there. And if not for Miriam, none of this happens. None of this happened. Not to mention when she was one of the leaders of the generation, but she gets short shrift. I wanna say that again. She just sort of gets clipped out at the end here. And it's a patriarchal world. And so she doesn't appear as much as, as Moses and Aaron did. But if not for Miriam, none of this, none of this, none of this. And that's embedded in our story almost before creation. Beautiful, beautiful imagery. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Julia. Um, Jen. Right. <clears throat> I'm doing it like an ADHD associational way of getting to this, but I swear. <laughs> gonna go somewhere so all I could think about for like the first half of this class was the um uh the black music group sweet honey in the in the rock um mm. that comes from the psalms right um mm -hmm. and where they take that name is that we have suffering and oppression and we through our singing bring out the honey of joy and persistence and humanity this is kind of like what Julia was saying but there's this sort of theme going on throughout Torah uh, and also um, you know, with the Psalms too, of hardness can have expansiveness within it. That a rock seems closed and hard, just like suffering can make us feel closed and hard. But actually there's a way to take our joy and the humanity of you know, dance and chant and turn it into something expansive and life sustaining. Um, yeah. But we also have grief. Um, and when we have grief, that, that rock to song to water gets disrupted for a little while. Not forever, but for a little while. And it's actually a good thing to go back and forth between creating our li liberation and mourning our suffering and oppression. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So beautifully put. That is so beautifully put because it you're saying it's associational, but it's, it's tying together these different uh, moments that we are actually trying to process here in this week's Parsha. We're trying to process the death of Miriam. And at the same time, like here, we just evoked the like the great hope that Miriam provided, but we're also like, we're also evoking the scene where Miriam is like dancing with with hundreds of thousands of women behind her and they're dancing, they're beating drums and they're leading the, the congregation in song, right? And there's something of like the joy, the, 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 the joy of the miraculous and, the, like, and all of that. And also this is the, the miraculous itself is only a response to the, to the harshness of the journey, the severity, the terror of the journey and the loss, 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 loss along the way. When you lose someone like Miriam, it's like, it's like that. I said, Ibn Ezra tells us this is the moment when the when the when the when they the the, the story picks up with the fortieth year, and Moses dies. Now it makes some sense that it's there in that stuck in that first verse because her death is the end of an era. It's the end of an era, and now the great ones are falling. Right. I'll just close with a couple of last. Um, images here, just images. So now like where, where's Miriam's well now? Where is it? So there's a couple of classic images um, and, uh, and one in particular, I think we can, we can take with us, but there's, a, there's an image in the Talmud, that, which is really great that, um, where's Miriam's well? Can you find Miriam's well? Does it exist? And there's an image in the Talmud that says that Rabbi Chia says, if anyone who wants to see Miriam's well should climb to the top of Mount Carmel next time you're in Israel, Har Carmel, and look out, and they'll see, look out meaning into the sea, into the, into the Mediterranean, and they'll see something that looks like a sieve in the sea. And that is Miriam's well. Okay, so this is cool. This is like one image. It's just like, look out wherever you are, look out into the ocean, look out into the sea, look out into a body of water. And somewhere out there, 
it's like, you know, I don't know if this is like, you imagine almost it's like swimming with the dolphins or something. Somewhere out there is Miriam's dolphin. Or maybe the point of this is, is it's lost to us. It's so far, we can't access it now. Okay, so that's one legend and that's a beautiful one. This one, I told you to keep in mind Matt's association with healing powers that, my, that water has. This is a similar story that I wanted to bring in part because of the healing powers. There's a story of a man who had been afflicted with skin disease, boils literally, shin, who went down to immerse in the Sea of Tiberias. And the well of Miriam suddenly appeared to him. It can happen anywhere. It can happen in any body of water. And he was healed. Now, why is this? A, this is a different location, but why the association with healing and skin disease? Maybe some of you know, because Miriam was afflicted with just a few parshas ago with skin disease and was healed, right? So some that Miriam heal like talk about associations. Like we'd have to do more work to figure out how to make that connection, but clearly that's part of what's being suggested. And I know we're out of time, but I want to just share one last thing, which is that there's also a beautiful tradition, which I discovered actually because like I, you know, work now, I, I you know, was trained and lived many years in sort of like the Orthodox um, world. And now I work in an egalitarian space. We're always looking for kind of gender balancing rituals. And one of them is that like you see, say, um, uh, you say, uh, you sing about Elijah, at the close of Shabbat. And there's a tradition, it's printed in the Siddur that we use at, uh, at Ikar to sing a song about Miriam as well. And I remember looking at it and sometimes, you know, sometimes these things feel natural and sometimes they feel like forced. And I'm like, ah, like, is this, is this really like, do we now we're gonna sing a song about Miriam? Is that, is, that, is it, does it feel a little too forced? And, and then I, 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 came, I came across this piece in the Shulchan Aruch and the, and realized that like uh, that the organizers of this studio are drawing on a long-standing but mysterious tradition um, of thinking about Miriam um, uh, as, as Shabbat goes out. So check out this and we'll close with this. Um, okay, Shulchan Aruch, this is the code of Jewish law. It's forbidden to do any work before Havdalah. You have to make Havdalah after Shabbat. Uh, and you know, you can't start doing work until you've done that. And if one said Abdallah in the prayer, it is permitted, uh, meaning you, there's a little Havdalah uh, in Mariv, in the evening prayer, then you can do work even though you haven't made the Havdalah over the cup. And if one needs to do work prior to saying Havdalah in the prayer, one just says, the one who divides between the sacred and the order. And this is a practice, actually, if you want to like turn off the light before you make Abdallah, you say, or Baruch so the one who decides to divide between the sacred and the ordinary, but you say it without a blessing and then you do the work. You can actually do the labor that's permit, prohibited on Shabbat. Okay, and now some like very gendered halacha, um, but that's sort of how we're getting there. Likewise, women who did not, do not recite the evening service, okay? So the Ramah, Ramosh Ishtar's expectation is that women are not in the synagogue. They're not saying the evening prayer. So they didn't say the, I mean, obviously huge gender discussions there, but for this purpose, it's only that to, technically they haven't said the, the snippet of Havdalah. So can they do work to prepare the rest of the week? They can, but they should um, also be instructed to recite who divides between the sacred and the ordinary before they perform any labor. And I, say, I, I, I include this gendered halacha, this gendered Jewish practice, in part because it seems that the gendered piece, which has been relevant in our discussion of Miriam's well, seems to be part of what's triggering the Ramah to cite this last custom. And there are those who say that to draw water from wells or natural springs every Saturday night, go and draw water from wells, um, because the well of Miriam passes through all the wells and natural springs every Saturday night, every Saturday night. And one who touches it and drinks from it will be healed from all their afflictions. And then he says, but I've never seen a source for this custom. <laughs> he sort of dismisses it. He says, or he may be saying, I, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't see the logic here. <laughs> right. But there it is. There's the, there's the last sort of vestige of a legend uh, that is still has a custom associated with it, which is to Friday night, try to draw from, or sorry, Saturday night, try to draw from Miriam's well. 
Because the idea there, and with this, I'm sorry, I'm over time, I'll close, is that Elijah is present at that moment because it's the new week, it's the new creation, and in a new creation, anything is possible. That first light of the week is the first light of a new creation, and anything is possible, including Elijah's announcement that the Mashiach, the Messiah, is coming, right? So in that same spirit, in that same moment where anything is possible, we go out and we look for Miriam's well. We, we try to draw that energy that Miriam planted in our community from the very start. We try to, draw, we try to re, reopen that well. And it's out there. It's out there. Every, every Saturday um, night, it's out there. And it, 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 it's a way of saying that um, the, the, what, the, 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 if the theme of Elijah is, is redemption, the theme of Miriam's well is is survival, survival, the, the, the survival that allows us to arrive at a moment of redemption. So um, uh, let's, uh, let's try to do that this Saturday night. Let's try to draw a little bit from the, from the waters, of, waters of life that, um, that Miriam taught us how to, how to find. Okay, great, that was, that was great, that was great, uh, wonderful. Loved learning with you all, thanks so much. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that that uh, we keep our classes, you can if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archive classes and source sheets and everything we discussed there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week. <laughs>